Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Story. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Die. 
The bitter cold of the Alaskan wilderness gripped our team as we navigated through the dense snow-covered forest. I, Matt, led a Navy SEAL team on a critical mission to rescue hostages from an unknown base rumored to be controlled by secret Russian police. The coordinates led us deeper into the harsh, unforgiving terrain, with each step increasing the tension in the crisp air. As we trudged through the snow, our breath visible in the freezing temperatures, a sudden growl echoed through the trees. We halted, our senses on high alert. Out of the shadows emerged a creature like none we had ever seen before. It resembled a snowy Bigfoot, its body sculpted like a pro bodybuilder, and its thick fur blending seamlessly with the Arctic landscape. The creature lunged at us with surprising speed, catching us off guard. Our training kicked in, and the team fought back, a chaotic clash of gunfire and beastly roars echoing through the snowy expanse. We managed to repel the creature, and it retreated into the woods, leaving us shaken but alive. Undeterred, we pressed on toward the coordinates, only to find an abandoned base. The once-hidden facility now lay eerily silent, with signs of a violent struggle evident. The hostages were gone, and among the casualties were scientists and what seemed to be Russian soldiers. We deduced that the creature we encountered earlier was responsible for the carnage, its deadly capabilities beyond our understanding. Determined to complete our mission, we set out to locate the creature and called for backup. As we ventured further into the wilderness, we stumbled upon a tribe of these snowy Bigfoot creatures. Fearful and uncertain of their intentions, we opened fire. The forest erupted into chaos as a fierce battle ensued between our team and the elusive tribe. After 15 intense minutes, the sound of additional gunfire reached our ears. Backup forces had arrived just in time, forcing the tribe to retreat into the snowy depths of the wilderness. The cost of victory, however, was steep, three of our seals lay lifeless on the frozen ground, and the snowy Bigfoot casualties numbered 15. Just when we thought the mission was over, a government helicopter descended from the sky. Men in black suits approached, their demeanor threatening. We were ordered to remain silent about the mysterious creatures we encountered, the government's secrecy overshadowing our dedication to duty. In the year 2000, I had been up all night at a friend's house in the town of Tribby, playing video games. I didn't want to sleep there, so I said goodbye and headed home. I knew my car was making a funny noise, but I thought surely I could get home. While driving down a long, dark stretch of highway with nothing but forests and a few sparse country houses, I was coming up to the top of a long hill when suddenly my car stopped pulling forward. The engine revved, but no gears would engage, my CV joint had just gone out. I was hoping that wouldn't happen. With no way of getting home, I backed up down the road in neutral and turned onto a side road. I thought about staying and sleeping in the car, but something told me not to do that. I had an eerie feeling of being watched, so I grabbed my video game case and the machete that I had made from a lawn mower blade, then started walking. I kept noticing the feeling of being watched, and it felt like I was being followed. I kept looking behind me and saw nothing. However, when a car passed by, heading in the direction behind me, it illuminated the area with its headlights, and I saw something behind me in the ditch, 
hunched down low. It was huge, and I could tell it looked animal but had definite humanoid features. It seemed to have arms, but its head was mostly canine. Its head was very large, and its eyes glowed red when the lights hit them. Having seen enough werewolf movies to know that this wasn't a good situation, I started running. That probably wasn't the best choice because I knew that predators like to chase things that run from them. When the car had passed, the creature had darted into the trees. I thought that was the best time to run, so I did. I ran for about a quarter mile and looked back, but didn't see a thing, so I kept walking. I kept checking behind me and off to the side where the tree line was. I knew it was still out there and probably following me. Yeah, I was afraid, but I was also prepared to defend myself with my machete if need be. I came up onto another hill and saw a farmhouse off in the distance to my left, down a long dirt driveway. The moon was almost full, and the area around the house was clear, so I could see a guy out there messing with his trucks as I walked by. Then he turned on a spotlight on his truck and spotted me with it. I kept walking because his property said no trespassing, and many out there wouldn't hesitate to unload on a strange trespasser. I knew it was close again, probably closer now, and I was about to turn around and face it when another car came over the top of the hill and passed me, going behind me again. I followed with my eyes and noticed this time it was a cop. Thinking quickly, I dropped my machete on the edge of the grass and waved as he passed. His lights hit the ditch as well, and I saw the dog man was very close, but it darted into the trees yet again. Thankfully, a moment later, the cop stopped and turned around. He came back and asked me what I was doing out there. I told him what happened with my car, although I didn't mention the dog man, he may have thought I was crazy. But I asked him for a ride home, and he agreed after wanting to go check and make sure my car wasn't blocking the road. After we checked it, he agreed to take me home. I don't know what might have happened that night if he hadn't shown up, and it was the only time I was genuinely happy to see a police officer. Currently serving as an infantier, my battalion went to Brunei for three weeks for some overseas training. Upon reaching the camp, we all noticed that there was a hut in the middle that was empty, asked the soldiers there what it was and they simply advised us from entering it at any point of time as it was apparently a house for a spirit that couldn't leave the area. Two weeks in, there was one night I walked out to the smoking corner at 2am for a puff and to give my girlfriend a video call. As I was talking to her I noticed that my camera could see the entrance of the hut in the background. Started feeling really strange as if someone was looking at me, only to see something humanoid standing right at the door laughing, and I could hear its laughter through the earpiece I had on. Nope the f out of there immediately. Apparently I wasn't the only one who seen or heard stuff from the hut throughout our training. This is coming from my grandfather who served in the RAAF, or Royal Australian Air Force as a helicopter pilot. He fought during the Vietnam War as he had only just enlisted when the war started. He flew an Iroquois helicopter. He was delivering supplies to Long Tan when the battle happened and he went out to deliver some to the boys who were fighting. Years later, about 12 years ago he went back to the site while in Vietnam. 
He said that the second he got within one mile of the area the battle was fought and he could hear the battle raging like he was there. He could hear all the call signs and the cries of injured soldiers. At one point, when he was near where the main group of Aussies were, he recalled hearing the voice of a soldier he knew really well talking over the radio. He kept walking to the site and he said that just as he got there he could hear the brush moving like the Viet Cong were right there moving around him. Pop isn't a superstitious man but he felt that the spirits of those who died there were reliving that battle every day. He very rarely talks about his experiences during the Vietnam War. Marines, first duty station was at Marine Barracks Washington, in DC lots of strange things happening there in the Commandant's house, like pictures of past Commandants falling off the wall when you walk by. Very creepy with some of the old furniture in there, some that people have died on. Then there is the Navy Yard down the road that houses Navy Admirals. In one of the buildings at night a rocking chair would start rocking out of nowhere with no wind. There was reports of a pair of shoes that would magically walk through the halls if not watched but I never saw it myself. These things aren't too over the top by themselves, but with the atmosphere of the place it is very creepy. Lots of people have died in these old buildings, many by unaliving themselves. And there is a strange feeling of dread that looms over the entire place. Had me freaked out on nights of post. This just happened to me less than an hour ago from the time I've started writing this, at about 10.15ish p.m., in eastern PA, Bucks County specifically if you know where that is. This first part of my encounter all happened within a span of maybe 20 seconds. I was driving home after seeing my boyfriend. Don't know if y'all care about this but for your information, I am a 19-year-old female. I want to be completely honest so y'all know I'm not lying. I hit a dab cartridge once or twice right before this happened but I have a very high tolerance and no history of weed-induced psychosis or hallucinations. I even doubted myself about what happened until I told my boyfriend when I got home. This drive is about 45 minutes each way, and a drive I do often, like 3-4 to four times a week. I know these roads very well and I'm not easily spooked. I was about 15 minutes into my drive home. It was raining pretty heavily as I was coming down this one highway, and it's pretty dark with only a few street lights here and there. I was pretty much alone on the streets for most of my drive home since it was late and raining. As I was going down this highway at like 60 miles per hour, I suddenly saw this tall, deer-like figure in my headlights about 200 feet from me. I immediately started braking because, from a distance, I thought it was just your typical big buck standing in the middle of the road. Happens all the time in PA as we have no shortage of deer. But as I was approaching closer to this deer, I see that it's freakishly tall and very slender. It almost looked like someone took an image of a deer and stretched it out vertically, honestly. I also noticed that my headlights aren't lighting this thing up, not even my brights. All I see of it is a bold, black silhouette, right there in the middle of the road, unmoving. Because all I see is the silhouette, I can't tell if it's standing on four legs or two, but the height and stretched out quality of its appearance has me thinking it was two. 
I was struggling to break fast enough to avoid this deer without spinning out on the wet roads, but I eventually slowed down, and as I get slower and closer to this thing, it starts going fuzzy. I squint. I turn my wipers on faster. It's still fuzzy. As I came to a full stop, it suddenly just disappeared. Completely vanished into thin air. So now I'm stopped in the middle of the road on this empty highway thinking I'm going insane because this roughly 12 foot tall figure that I know I saw just isn't there anymore? It didn't jump out of the way, it didn't run, it just vanished. I shake off the spooks, and I hit the gas again, trying to convince myself that I'm going crazy because the alternative was too scary to think about. A few minutes down the road I see something else. This time a lot smaller, closer to the size of your average deer. But it definitely wasn't a deer or any animal that is widely accepted as real because it just suddenly showed up in front of my car. Like it wasn't on the left side of the road at all until it was in front of my car, running across the road. I should have hit it. It was right in front of me. With the speed I was going there was no way that it would have made it across the street in time since it was maybe 5 feet from my car when it first appeared. I didn't even get a chance to brace myself for impact with how close it was. But nothing happened. I didn't hit anything. Not even a rock under my tire. At this point I'm convinced that I've gone certifiably insane. I check my rear view mirrors to see if there even was a deer, but it was too dark to tell. The rest of the way home I drove as slowly as I safely could, just in case I saw something again. Alas. I made it home without another incident. I don't know what exactly I saw. I don't know why, if it was a Wendigo, it didn't hurt me since everything I know about Wendigo points to them being malevolent beings. I'm just freaked out I guess and wanted to share my story. If anyone has a better identification for whatever this thing was let me know. For now, I think I'm gonna get myself a dash cam. Pennsylvania roads are spooky. Edit. I can't stop thinking about this. I saw an actual deer on my way home from work today and was instantly paralyzed in fear. It felt like it was taunting me. I don't know how to explain it. I could feel its eyes burning on my skin. Not a member of the US military, but I'm a reservist for another country's military. During the last week of basic training, we were in the field digging trenches. It was raining, cold, miserable, and I loved it. We weren't allowed to sleep at all for the next few days. One night, it was silent. The two others in my trench and I were given night vision goggles, NVG. When it was my turn to look through them, I saw a human looking figure on all fours. I yelled for a stand too, but when I looked again, it was gone. Sleep deprivation? Most likely. Edit, lol, this is my most upvoted post. Anyway, here's another thing that happened to me the same week. Not paranormal, but it scared the bejesus out of me. It was the first night, and I was filling sandbags. All was quiet, just the sounds of people digging and some quiet conversations were heard. I was peacefully filling sandbags when the sergeant decided to mess with me and let out a flare, this would mean stand too just a few meters behind me. It was loud as heck and sounded like a screaming banshee. I would have pissed myself if I hadn't already gone a bit earlier.
and the sergeant was just standing there, laughing. In Cambria County, Pennsylvania, on Cresson Mountain, in 1965, I was exploring the woods with a friend who lived in the area. We crossed a stream at the bottom of a ravine and went uphill. Maybe a mile up the slope, in trees, we came upon a dome made of interlaced tree branches. It was tall enough for me to enter without bending over. I did so. It stank horribly. Inside we found fresh timothy grass laid out on a kind of pallet or bed on one end. There was no debris of humankind anywhere, but there were small bones and sticks. We couldn't stand the odor and backed out, then felt we were being watched from upslope. Growing nervous as dusk fell, we left, fast. We told his father about it, who dismissed it as a hobo's hutch. We'd found many of those. It was not a person who made what we'd found. We'd glimpsed a shadow moving and maybe a glint of eyes, too. Reflective eyes can be down to something as simple as the lurker wearing glasses, we were told, but it had felt more animal than hobo to us. One foggy Saturday morning I was again visiting my friend. We preferred roaming the woods to wandering in the town, where I lived. We were sprawled on the floor watching an old horror movie neither of us understood. It did feature a good many spooky images and a few jump scares, so it held our interest, especially with the fog that day. We heard a thump on the front door. Glancing across the living room, we saw a dog's face gazing at us through the middle of three narrow windows set high on the door. It would have had to be six or seven feet tall to peer through those windows. Its gaze shined, and we both screamed, thinking werewolf. As we gaped, it dropped down below the door's windows. Nervously, we peered out the picture window that took up most of one wall of the room. In the fog, we saw it again, moving past, just far enough away to be little more than a shadow. The thing is, it was upright. It sort of hop-walked on its hind legs, its forelegs held in front of it. This sight scared us even more. When it had vanished, headed toward the tree line, we talked about whether the thing we'd just seen could be what had made the domed nest we'd found not long back. At the time, this seemed reasonable to us. We knew, though, not to tell his parents about the huge dog thing looking in through the front door windows. We didn't want to be ridiculed again, but we did learn to be more careful when playing in the woods. Only years later did I hear about the Ohio Grass Man, a Sasquatch analog for that area where we fell within its range. Later still, Western Pennsylvania began experiencing a cluster of what people called Dog Man. Supposedly, it was pretty much what my friend and I had seen as kids, peering through his front door windows and moving past his house as it went toward the trees. I'm glad we didn't encounter it directly either time, but kinda wish we'd seen it more clearly before it moved away still gives me chills thinking about being out on the mountain at dusk with something like that, or what would have happened had it gotten through the door. I spent a lot of time out at my granddad's ranch in the 1980s in the Texas Hill Country and now realize this creature, a cloaked Sasquatch, might have been responsible for what I thought was a mountain lion. When we found cattle that died giving birth on several occasions we would come back within an hour and the cow's head would be gone. 
Nothing else would be touched, but the head was torn off. Granddad thought a mountain lion did it, but there were no drag marks or anything to show for the missing head. There were also two locations on the land that always just gave me the creeps. I told my aunt about being in one spot around midnight one night. I would walk I would hear footsteps other than mine until I stopped. Followed me for a good 30 minutes. Turned out she wanted to know where because the same thing had happened to her and she gave me the same spot before I told her. It always puzzled me as to what it was, and in 25 years of wondering, I haven't ever had a clue what followed me but I never thought of a Sasquatch in Texas of all places. To me, it seems like the most possible explanation for some of the things that went on around there. I have a story about a creature on my hunting land from when I was a kid. When I was about 10 years old, I was hunting with my now deceased grandfather on family-owned land near Covington, Michigan. It was near dusk, and we had been sitting for a couple of hours. We hadn't seen much, just a spiker and a small doe, nothing large enough to shoot. We were starting to lose hope and getting ready to start the approximately one-mile trek back to our cabin. As we prepared to leave, we heard twigs cracking from our right rear side. The stand we were in was tucked in the rear corner of a large clearing, on one of the bigger trees in the tree line. As the cracks from the twigs got closer, I remember realizing that all other ambient noises had stopped. When the creature finally emerged from the tree line, I felt like my heart had stopped working, and an overwhelming feeling of dread washed over me. What I saw was a small buck that looked like it hadn't eaten in weeks. It was an extremely pale brown, almost gray, with what seemed to be a broken neck and a missing antler, stumbling into the clearing. By this time, the sun was just about to sink below the treetops and cover the clearing with shadows. I recall looking over at my grandfather and seeing a level of fear I had never seen on his face before. Mind you, my grandfather was tough and fearless having seen active duty in Vietnam as infantry. After seeing my grandfather's face, the feeling in my stomach became worse. We watched this deer stumble into the clearing, and my grandfather reached for his binoculars. As he pulled them out, the lens cover made a small noise on the side of the stand. The creature must have heard it because it stopped its stumble, now in the middle of the clearing, creepily rotated around, rose up on its hind legs, and stared directly at us for about a minute before running off in an awkward sprint into the woods. At this time, it felt like I had just gotten the wind knocked out of me, and I was petrified with fear. After the encounter, my grandfather and I sat in the stand, completely silent, staring at the clearing, trying to make sense of what we had just witnessed. As we started to walk back, we heard extremely weird, almost human-sounding noises coming from the woods around us. By the time we got back to the cabin, my grandfather decided it would be best to cut our trip short and head back home. But before we left, I had to use the bathroom, and our cabin was quite old, so I didn't have indoor plumbing, just an old outhouse. As I sat down to use the toilet, the immense feeling of dread returned as I heard human-like whispers and small scratches on the back of the outhouse. I screamed at the top of my lungs to my grandfather as I ran out of the outhouse crying. After that, we drove back home and had a small discussion about what we saw. Despite being an avid hunter, 
that was my grandfather's last season of hunting, and about a year later, we sold the land. I've told this story a couple of times to close friends and family, but I think most of them think I'm crazy, especially being the only witness now that my grandfather has passed away. Still, to this day, the encounter sends shivers down my spine every time I think about it. This story is, unfortunately, true. I've changed names and ages slightly for privacy. I grew up in the Sierra Nevadas. It's a really beautiful part of the world with sprawling pines, rugged mountains, and crystalline lakes. I wasn't big on camping, but I spent a good chunk of my childhood weekends hiking with family and friends and spent many summer days tubing on the lake. The summer that I was 16 about 10 years ago, now, my cousin, Celia, had come back from her first year of college, and her boyfriend, Jay, was visiting to meet her family and friends. Jay, like most tourists, wanted to go on a hike with lake views. Celia and I decided to take him on one of our favorites, a moderate hike through the woods on a gentle incline that peaks at hollow in the trees overlooking Lake Tahoe below. Jay had some hiking experience, albeit in less rugged terrain, and we thought this hike would be a fun challenge with the spectacular views he wanted. It is an in and out trail that takes about 2 to 3 hours to the top and 2 to 3 hours back down. There are some smaller trails that branch off and offer steeper inclines or winding paths down towards the lake. The three of us set off on the hike on the first Saturday of his visit. The trail isn't the easiest to find, but it's really popular with locals because of the view and general lack of tourists. It was mislabeled on the most popular trails website at the time so it was hard to find if you didn't like where to look. We passed only a couple of other hikers, mostly granola type couples with camelback water backpacks hiking with their dogs. We made it to the top in good time and enjoyed our lunches overlooking the lake. Jay was appropriately impressed by the views and spent a lot of time taking pictures. In between selfies and bites of sandwiches, we mostly just relaxed and got to know each other. After about an hour of relaxing, we heard a scream in the distance. Specifically, a mountain lion scream. If you've never heard a mountain lion scream, it's really unnerving. It sounds a bit like a very loud, terrified woman letting out a blood-curdling shriek of terror. YouTube it, it's truly a horrible sound. This was not good, because when a mountain lion screams, it's either part of a mating ritual or two male lions are fighting. Either way, hearing one scream meant there were multiple mountain lions, and close. The bears in the Sierras are softies, but the mountain lions will attack you. They'll attack your pets. They've even been known to attack bikers. There's safety in numbers, but even three is risky if you're talking about a hungry lion. Jag was really freaked out. There weren't big predators roaming around where he's from and the thought of an animal large and willing enough to eat him was off-putting. Celia and I were wary but not alarmed. Between the natural disasters that frequently occurred in the region, earthquakes, wildfires, mega blizzards, and the sometimes deadly wild animals that got close to town, we were fairly unshakable. We had seen plenty of bears and snakes on hikes, and sometimes encountering critters is the price you pay to enjoy the natural beauty. It also wasn't the first time we had heard mountain lions, 
and we had both seen them before, albeit mostly from the safety of a cabin or a house. There was also an incident where, as kids, we laid out some expensive stake in my backyard in the hopes of luring a mountain lion to take pictures of it. It did not work and my mother was unhappy about the stakes. Anyway, Celia and I told Jay that it was fine, but that we need to pack it up and get back down the mountain. We packed up the leftovers of our lunches and took off at a brisk pace back down the mountain. About 40 minutes into the hike back, Jay realized that he forgot his phone at the lookout and his rushed to leave. Of course. After a brief back and forth between Jay and Celia, I don't need it back that badly. Jay, it is all of our pictures from the spring break trip not to mention you're a broke college student. Yes, you need it back, we decided to go back and get it. Well, we decided that Celia and Jay would hike back up to retrieve his phone and I would stay there, on the trail, alone, to warn any other potential hikers that there are lions in the area. I was mostly worried about those hikers with their off-leash dogs and wanted to prevent a wandering lab from getting mauled. This was obviously not ideal for any of us, but seemed like the best choice at the time. I found a nice rock to sit on in the shade just off the trail and was going through the pictures we took on my phone and playing Temple Run. There was no cell service or internet but I knew they'd be back soon. Celia and Jay had been gone for around 50 minutes when I heard the scream again. And it was hard to tell, but I thought it was closer than before. I started to get pretty nervous. Being in groups is far preferable when dealing with mountain lions and I felt like perfect bait sitting there alone on the woods. About 20 minutes after that, I heard the scream again, and there was now zero doubt that it was closer. It sounded like it was coming from up the trail, towards where Celia and Jay would be coming down, very soon, I sincerely hoped. Logically, I knew that lions don't scream when hunting they are quiet. If a lion was hunting me, I wouldn't know it. The screaming meant it was doing something else, something not feeding related. That knowledge did not make me less nervous. I became hyper alert, whipping my head around every time I heard a noise or thought I saw a flash of movement. I turned my flashlight on even though it was the middle of the day. I got off my rock to stand in the middle of the trail to have visibility up, down, and in the trees on Tiene's side of the trail. A couple minutes after that, I heard it again, extremely close by. By this point, I had full goosebumps and a pit in my stomach, a complete sense of dread. I looked around and tried to find the best place for me to stand, back covered, in case of the worst. I decided to wedge myself up against a tree next to the rock I had been sitting on. I had good visibility up and down the trail, still, and into the trees across the trail. I continued scanning around, focusing on up trail where I thought the screams were coming from. Suddenly, I saw something. Standing still, 20 feet up the trail, a couple feet off of it, was a man. He was completely naked. He was filthy. He was skinny. And he was just standing there, looking at me. I didn't even hear him come up. It sounds cliche but it really was like he appeared out of nowhere especially since I had been focusing on looking for the lion in that direction. If you don't know where you're going, it's easy to get lost in the woods around there. The weather can change quickly, and people panic and get more lost in their attempts to find their cars. And it doesn't take long, being alone, 
lacking food and water, in the wilderness, to make people a little disorientated. A little crazy. The infamous Donner Party incident happened maybe an hour away from where I was standing. My first thought was that this man was probably a lost hiker, and judging by how dirty he was, he'd been lost a long time. He needed help. I had heard about people with hypothermia stripping all of their clothes off, and thought maybe that was what happened. Now, this took place during the summer and there's no way that someone would get hypothermia in July, but that didn't occur to me until later. I started walking towards him, asking if he's okay. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag, say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I suddenly got this feeling of rawness. I don't know how else to describe it, but my feeling is dread tripled. The hair stood up on my neck. I stopped in my tracks, maybe 15 feet away now, and had the overwhelming urge to run away. It seemed wrong, it felt wrong, he looked wrong in a way I can't quite articulate. Instead of wanting to help him I was absolutely terrified of him. I asked again if he's okay? He looked at me then opened his mouth wide and screamed. Not a normal scream. He screamed just like the mountain lion, a high-pitched, keening shriek that made my blood run cold. It occurred to me that we were probably hearing him the whole time. It was the single most terrifying thing I have ever witnessed. I started screaming too. I was preparing to run away, down the trail, I suppose, but also really did not want to turn my back on him. Suddenly, he closed his mouth, turned around, and ran into the woods very quickly. He disappeared into the trees, but the feeling of wrongness was still with me. I felt like I was going to throw up. I considered bolting down the trail to get away, but decided to wait for Celia and Jay, who luckily arrived within 10 or 15 minutes. I told them what happened, and we decided to call it into the rangers when we got service. Celia and I had seen some odd things in our lives her more than me, but she turned white as a sheep when I told them what happened. I guess they didn't hear anything at all on the way down. I've always been deeply unsettled since the incident. Did I see a mentally ill lost hiker, who really needed my help? Or did I see something? Else? Celia insists it was a skinwalker or something similar, something malevolent and inhuman. Mimicking the call of a mountain lion and stalking us down the mountain. I think I had a brief encounter a couple of years ago while I was jogging on a sidewalk around where I used to live. It was a trail partially surrounded by a forest, divided by a road. While I was jogging I heard knocks close to where I was passing through and suddenly this stench like sulfur or rotten meat came from nowhere and that overwhelming sensation that someone was watching me. I was so scared that I quickly turned back home running as if the devil was following me. When that happened it was getting dark already, 
It was late in the afternoon around 5.30 in the winter season. I told my wife when I came back home what happened to me and she was laughing like I was telling stories. She told me that probably there was a creek with still water around there and that's why it was stinking. The weird thing was as I told her, there was no stench when I passed through there 10 minutes before, it came out suddenly, and it was really strong. I went running by that sidewalk again the next day with her and the stench wasn't around the area anymore. I never went jogging around there at that time that's for sure. Strange thing to happen in an area like that cause it wasn't that rural, there's a lot of communities around there. I'm from Florida. Right so I've got a story. I've lived in Florida most of my life until October 2020 when I moved to upstate South Carolina. Lived with my grandparents in the mountains around Salem for a little while before moving to an outer suburb of Greenville. The backyard of my house in Greenville had a downward slope and a creek at the bottom, then an upward slope on the other side leading to another set of houses. The creek led into a large patch of woods one more house down past mine, a good 50-ish acres. Not long after moving in I went and explored the creek and found a small shard of pottery half buried in the ground, it was dark greenish and had a few basic floral designs on it. I brought it inside cause I was planning to contact the nearby university to ask if it had any significance but I never actually got around to doing it. One day shortly after that, Sitting on my back porch around noon, I start hearing whistles, like some guy was calling his dog or something, but it was the exact same tone and melody every single time. It never changed. I looked around and didn't see anyone, but I could pinpoint where the sound was coming from. It was coming from the patch of woods down the creek the first couple times I heard it, then slowly moved out of the woods and into the backyard of the house behind mine. Again, I didn't see anyone and it was still the same whistle, almost like it was a recording on repeat. This happened every couple days for a few weeks. Always the same exact whistle and no one else to be seen but me. I didn't think anything of it at the time until I moved again late last year to Spartanburg County. Obviously I won't say exactly where I am but I'm in the northern part in a very rural area. Plenty of woods around along with plenty of coyotes and other wildlife. I hadn't heard the whistle in a long while probably about a year. Couple weeks ago I was sitting outside my house about 9pm doing a bonfire. I heard a pack of coyotes go nuts around a quarter mile away, which isn't unusual so I didn't think anything of it. After a couple minutes they went completely silent and I didn't hear any other wildlife, not even crickets, then out of nowhere I hear the same exact whistle again. It was coming from a ditch next to the road in front of my house about 30 yards from where I was sitting. I froze and sat there listening as I knew that this time something was up. Why am I hearing the same exact whistle as I've heard in the backyard of a pervious house over an hour's drive away? I waited another few minutes and heard it one more time than silence, another few minutes passed then the usual wildlife and crickets started going again. The rest of the night I felt watched and now every time I go out at night I feel the same way. I don't know if it's a walker for sure considering all I've got are a few identical whistles but it's definitely not normal. Whatever it might be there's no doubt it followed me from Greenville over an hour away. I tried ruling it out by saying it's birds but the timing is just way too irregular, 
surely I'd hear it more often right? Instead of a few times last summer and then not at all until the middle of September a year later? Looking for answers on what it might be and what to do about it, if anything. As far as the pottery shard, it was left in a closet at the previous house in Greenville, which has now been rented out to another tenant. Any other questions feel free to ask. When Al was a young kid my family and Al went to Yosemite Park. One evening after a hike Al saw something moving in the trees ever it was like looking through water, but it had a shape. Al tried to show my dad, but he didn't see it. I remember him telling me my eyes were playing tricks cause it was getting dark. Years later when the movie Predator came out Al almost jumped out of my seat. That is what I saw. A while ago I came across your site and read about David Eckhart and his family as well as other unexplained things you write about. I decided to send you my description of something that happened to me when I was 14 years old. Every August my family, aunt, uncle, and cousins would spend a week camping at Caboilingo State Forest. It was a tradition because my grandparents used to do the same thing when they were raising my dad and aunt, except we were using campers. Back then we could take our bikes along and go all over the place. In the summer of 1991, my cousins, two boys, we were all within three years of age of each other, decided to go to an area we had never been before. I remember seeing a trail sign that had Sleepy Hollow on it so I suppose that was the name of the area. Most of the trail was along a small creek and it was a very thick forest. It was around noon time and it had been overcast all day. We were raised in a rural area so our parents didn't worry too much about us exploring the park. There was a group of large rocks near the trail so we decided to stop and take a look. We were just jabbering when we noticed a loud humming sound coming from above us. We looked up into the trees and were hit in the face with what I describe as a blast of energy. All I can remember is my cousins yelling at me because I had been knocked out. I asked them what happened and they said they were knocked out as well. We started to get scared because everything around us seemed different than before, so we headed back to the campsite. When we got back my mom asked me why we didn't come back for dinner. I looked at my watch, it was gone. I hadn't even noticed. She told me it was just after 7pm. No wonder everything seemed strange out on the trail. We must have been knocked out for about 6 hours. My cousins and I were very tired so much so that we headed to our bunks right after eating. I was exhausted but I couldn't fall asleep. In the morning I was feeling very sluggish. My cousin slept until 11 am. Later in the day, we decided to tell our parents what happened out on the trail. To be honest, our parents thought we were playing a stunt on them by concocting this wild story about being knocked out for 6 hours by a blast of energy. I was very upset with them especially my dad because he never let me forget about it. To this day he still thinks it was a made-up story. My cousins and I still talk about what happened that day. We all feel that we were possibly abducted because of some of the weird dreams each of us has had since. In 2005, I was diagnosed with leukemia though I'm now in remission. One of my cousins was recently diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma while my other cousin has suffered kidney disease for over 10 years. 
We had been 100% healthy before the incident on the trail. Though we have never seen any scars or marks on our bodies we truly feel that we were physically and mentally violated by something. I'm from northeastern Pennsylvania. I started hunting with my dad at 5 years old and am now 55. I know our woods and game very well. I'd have to find a way to bring up Bigfoot with 95% of the people around me. These events happen where I live. To give you an idea of the terrain I live at the base of the northwest slope of the Appalachian Mountains. My land backs up to the mountain which goes for miles of undeveloped land and the mountain range runs all the way to New York State. There have been Bigfoot sightings over the years in the surrounding area. I have two good friends who had sightings. There's also an older report by men in our hunting camp on top of the mountain. I never saw one but had strange events occur on more than one occasion. My first one was in my yard. It's about 9 pm in the summer, just getting dark. I had an issue with my septic pump and had the lid off the septic tank to install a backup pump. I was on my knees with my back to the woods. It was now dark and I was working under a spotlight. My mind was on the task and not too happy about literally performing this job. Out of nowhere the hairs on the back of my neck stood on end. That sixth sense that never lies to me and I got a chill up my spine like I never had before. I don't scare easily but this had me at my wits end. I popped to my feet and sprinted to my deck like I was on fire. My wife was on the deck and asked, what the hell is wrong with you? I've never seen you move that fast in my life. I started staring into the woods and could now hear something big walking up from behind from where I was. It then turned slightly and it stayed about 20 yards in the wood line. I had a flashlight and shined it where I could hear the walking but I couldn't see anything. It stopped and stood for a while, it must have been looking at us on the deck and then it walked off. It spooked me to no end. That damn thing didn't make a noise until I was on my deck which is about 8 feet high. It was coming up directly behind me. It sounded like a person walking only at a slower pace. There was no eye shine either. That fall I kept hearing trees falling, big ones with no wind. A couple of times I could hear something walking then it would stop like a person that would walk up to something and do that half step to stop. Then I would hear the trees getting pushed over. I was out working on our ground pool. I was squatted between the house and the pool not moving much or making any noise. All of a sudden I heard this rabbit squealing only about 30 yards from me. Being squatted I popped to my feet and the squealing stopped immediately. I could see the rabbit off to my left. I could see the bushes and trees moving like something was running but I couldn't see what it was. I looked back and I could still see the rabbit. I walked over. The rabbit was acting odd. It kind of just hopped away in the opposite direction of what looked like something running. I went into my house for dinner, sat down, and started eating. I was thinking about what happened. From the ridge above my house, I heard this loud howl. My dogs picked up their heads and looked at me with a worried look on their face. They cowered and put their heads down. Usually, they would go ape after hearing a dog bark, coyotes howling, cats fighting, etc. The only thing that made them act like that was a bad thunderstorm. Later, I was taking our older dog out through the side door on our garbage. 
As I opened the door the 30-foot tall maple tree in my yard, with all the leaves, started shaking like crazy. There was no wind at all, and no other tree was shaking. My dog started smelling the ground and ran over to the base of the tree, circled the base of the tree, and sniffed up the tree. I never did see anything. In the summer of 2003, when I was 16, my mom, a friend, and I were driving down a road in the Jasper Highlands area in Tennessee at about 1 a.m. A huge flying creature that looked human-like flew pretty low over the car. The only thing I can think of to compare it to is that thing in those Jeepers Creepers movies. All three of us saw it and were terrified. We were in a convertible with the top down so we got a pretty good look at it. I'm not really a religious person but it also makes me wonder if it was like an angel of death or something because that same day, about 30 minutes later, my uncle was hit by a car while walking home. We had passed him walking about a minute before it happened. We didn't know it was him and my mom was reluctant about picking up strangers, especially with two teens in the car. But if we had stopped that drunk driver could have killed all of us. All the things that happened that day still haunt me. I'm a very proof or science driven person so I don't really even tell people about this because I don't want people thinking I'm insane. I just needed to put this out there somewhere. Do you believe that winged beings foretell bad fortune? My buddy and I planned a trip to an extremely remote backcountry lake on the border of Montana and Idaho. Very remote. Two-hour drive into the woods, then a 22-mile shady dirt logging road, 12.5-mike hike, the last three straight bushwhacking. Most difficult hike of my life. What an amazing lake in four days. On the way back there is this section during the bushwhack where it opens up a little and follows a creek. Quite a larger creek, almost a river. We mentioned on the way in that there looked like a few good fishing spots. Anyway, we got to that section on the way out and took a cliff bar and caffeine break. Took our packs off and 20 feet away on a log there was a very old man. I mean old. I'm 45 and know what 80 years old looks like. This guy had to be 95 plus. Scared the shit out of us to even see another person. He had very dark eyes and a strange smile. He asked us where we were going and how long we'd been out. Honestly, he seemed to be vibrating. If that makes sense. The thing is, there is absolutely zero possible way the old man could get there. Impossible. Mountains on all three sides, no places to camp or even set up a tent. There were no other cars at the trailhead. I can't stress enough how impossible it would be for the frail old man to be there. This was 2018. There was an abandoned house deep in the woods with a bad roof soft floors but it was an artist's workshop. A. It was sad because it was obviously someone's life's work B. The sculptures were about the creepiest things I've ever seen. Humanoid figures with distorted faces, gaping mouths and hollow eyes. My friend took one and drowned about a month later. I was with him the second to last time at the lake. He got in the water then got back out right away, said he didn't like how murky the water was, that it gave him the creeps. 
He wished he was back east where the water wasn't so muddy. My family owns a small summer house. It is located outside the city and sits between a small forest and a river. So not exactly middle of nowhere. One summer many years ago my siblings and I were staying there for quite some time alone. We were teenagers then. One morning we found a very large pile of half-burnt human hair. It was unmistakably human hair, brown and straight, and there was enough of it to stuff a mid-sized pillow. It was smoldering in the designated outdoor bonfire place. We freaked out. Our theories ranged from a serial killer trying to hide evidence to nefarious occult rituals. It wasn't there before we went to sleep. We were grossed out and scared. After calling our parents we found out that our weird aunt collects her own hair over the years and then burns it. Because she doesn't trust other people to cut her hair and believes if someone else has access to hers they can use it somehow against her. Yep, we call her weird for a reason. It is still absolutely creepy to think that she just came there in the middle of the night while we kids slept to burn her hair and leave. During my deployment to Niger, Africa, I, and the rest of my team, befriended a bunch of wild dogs who would follow our convoys when we did perimeter checks. The FAN, Forces armed Nigerians, because of cultural difference, all treated the dogs like pests. A lot of countries treat dogs like rats. They hit them, poison them, shoot them, make them fight for food and so on. It is a culture difference that I, as a son of an animal control office and long-time animal lover, just can't stand. And almost got into some serious fights with our interpreters when they would try to hit our dogs. Also, you really aren't supposed to feed wildlife on deployments. But F that rule. Anyways, so after befriending our squad of dogs for a couple months, the local fan just decided to poison them while we were out on patrol. And they all started dying, one by one. Simon, Philip, Shaggy, and Beast. Then it got to my dog, Princess. These guys poisoned my dog four times. Four times and she never fell. The first two times they got her by surprise, she started to wise up so the last two times they held her down and forced her from what I heard. Each time upping the dosage. What's weirder is that I never saw her vomit up the poison. She got visible sick, would lie around and foam a little bit at the mouth like it was over, but after that she would get up like nothing had happened. After that she would only take food from me, only sat next to me, and I am happy to say she was, alive and tail wagging like she never even sick when I hopped aboard the C-130 to leave. Definitely not spooky, but I was thankful that my dog was immortal. Edit, I got a little reminiscent while writing this at work, so I decided to share who Princess was. Because of the treatment dogs get out there, they are often skittish, frail, and defensive. Most Americans want to pet a dog, but if you approach one that has sustained a lot of abuse like it is just an everyday dog, you aren't going to get much results. My mother taught me how to be a dog whisperer of sorts, and very rarely do they not like me, but that didn't matter to Princess at all. Princess just ran right up to me, and the rest of my fire team, the first day I met her. Didn't want food, wasn't escaping the fan or anything like that. 
She just wanted some love. She was friendly to everyone, didn't beg for food, despite being noticeably malnourished, and did this thing where she always sat between my legs like an ever-vigilant guard. If I was sitting on my HMV, she would sit down in front and stare at me until I hopped down so she could be between my legs. She was a good dog, and I hope the new team we did change over with treats her like what she truly is. A princess. Okay this wasn't in the middle of nowhere but it was crazy. Our kids were little back when this happened and the oldest is almost 38. We lived in the same house we still do today. My husband and the three oldest kids were out in the front yard. He was doing something to his truck. One of the kids came to the door and told me daddy wanted me to come outside, so I go out there and he and the kids are all freaked out and showing me this dead bird at the base of the pine tree out front. After so many years I honestly can't recall if it was a crow or a blackbird. I just remember it was a blackbird. They said they all heard it making whatever noise they make and it flew into the tree above. The kids were playing and my husband's messing with his truck and they heard a thud on the ground behind them. They all saw this dead bird laying there. There was just one thing that was really really wrong. It had been decapitated. Its head was laying near the body and I touched it whenever I went out there and it was still warm with absolutely no rigor and there was no blood anywhere. I believe that is honestly the craziest most unexplainable thing I've ever seen. I would think if a bird's head was cut off it would bleed, and how did it lose its head? We have never had any explanation for this. We couldn't find anything that could have hurt or killed it. Rural Kentucky. Me and two buddies from high school were in the sticks getting high and one mentioned he'd seen a roof while hiking a while back. So we ventured out. Took about two to three hours to get there. It's a log cabin with no driveway, and really no way to get to it. It unlocked, and fully furnished. This place has been empty for 30 years, dates we found on notes etc. Family pictures on the walls. Books on the shelves. Food in the cupboard. Dusty as F. So of course we looted the place being teenagers and these people clearly weren't coming back. Found some guns, nice silver, and an unopened liter of Maker's Mark. Yes we drank it, no we didn't know the value at the time. Smooth as silk. Anyway so we head to the basement. Standard creepy as F log cabin in the woods basement. The kicker though was there was a door with a light behind it. After minutes of growing balls we opened the door. It was an indoor outhouse situation as best I can put it. Didn't smell of sewage but that's what the setup looked like had a single bulb hanging from the ceiling and it was on. We tried every switch in that house to see if it had electricity. Even scoured the area for a meter to see if it was turning. We never even found power lines. No indication that power was ran here at all. That light had been on, we're assuming, for at least 30 years. We grabbed what we were able to carry and headed back. We never went back. Asked around the holler but no one knew what we were talking about and didn't recognize the family name that was on everything. It's like this cabin just fell out of the sky and landed in the middle of nowhere. Great memory though. Never forget it.
The most messed up thing I ever saw was an animal skull. Seems innocent enough, I know. But I was riding my truck through the woods along an old trail, an hour before sunset. Bugs everywhere in these thick woods. I saw what looked to be a bird's nest on the side of the road and thought oh. Neat. Drove by it, and suddenly every insect went silent. Air was still. Only sound was from the motor. It was indeed a large bird's nest, but inside of it sitting comfortably was a deer skull. It was adorned with flowers, mushrooms and ferns. What got me was what looked to be a bloodied tongue sticking out of the mouth of the skull, off to the side. Like a perfectly placed thick tongue. Nope. I got the heaves and never got out of my truck. Bucked it home. It was probably nothing demonic or evil but in the silence of the woods, it gave me the creeps. I was horseback riding on some trails in the woods with my riding teacher and we'd gotten a bit lost. It was summer and everything was green and overgrown so we'd wandered off the trail system and suddenly nothing was familiar. While trying to find our way back to the marked trails, we came out into a small clearing with tall grass. There was a truck parked there in the middle of nowhere, which isn't common around there so it immediately seemed kinda weird. As we passed by it, I saw that the whole dashboard was full of grimy plastic dolls heads just piled up behind the glass. Looking at it made my skin crawl and we booked it the hell out of there. Probably just paranoia but I couldn't shake the feeling that the truck owner was close by, they saw or heard us and stayed hidden and silent in the woods. My unit was sent to Germany in late 2014 for NATO training in response to the Russia-Ukraine Crimean Peninsula thing. We got to work side by side with a lot of European militaries. It was really cool. But, some of them were downright crazy. The showers at the camp were basic training style, open bay. We had all seen each other's junk before so we'd go in big groups so we could shower without some weird or crazy Europeans messing with us. That worked most days, but on one day an Armenian walked in. He walked to the center of the showers, squatted down and took a massive shit. He then stood up, grabbed a handful of the shit and threw it on the ceiling and smeared the rest with his feet. A buddy of mine from another platoon said he was taking a piss and a bunch of Armenians surrounded him. He finished, put his junk away and they let him leave. As soon as he walked past them, they started spitting on the ground and stomping where he had been standing. It got to the point where my commander had to bring it up during formation. Basically said if anything like that happens again, let them, NCOs and officers, no, yada yada. We began to think they just liked messing with us Americans. Yuri, you drew the short straw. Take a shit in the showers and throw it on the ceiling. Maybe do something else. Other guys from my unit related other crazy stories of the Armenians and other crazy Europeans but I can't remember those stories too well. I don't mean to pinpoint the Armenians but those are just the two stories I remember in good detail. My husband, Sam, and my five-year-old daughter were returning to Miami after a visit to Sam's daughter in West Palm Beach, Florida. We got off the turnpike and headed toward Highway 441. 
Directly in front of the car we saw a bright light hovering about 40 feet above the road. We turned left onto 441 and the light followed our car for 5 minutes or so before it reached a clearing. The object then shifted into a disc shape. The lights around the center were alternating blue and white and seemed to going counterclockwise. We pulled over and observed the craft for at least 15 minutes. It let down a silvery, luminous rope or beam of light. After a couple of minutes an astronaut was let down. All we were able to see of this being was that it was very, very tall and had on a suit of some sort. The craft which made no noise slowly headed toward our car and passed over it at a distance above us of about 10 feet. I pulled myself halfway out of the window to get a better look at the underbelly which resembled the bottom of a turtle. When the UFO crossed the street it changed into a ball of light once again then changed into a star-like object, zigzagged across the road and then went straight up at an astronomical rate of speed and disappeared. I know this sounds fantastic, but my husband and I were not drinking and are of sound mind. We were never able to forget or stop talking about this extraordinary event. From now on we will never be able to look at the stars in the same way. The heavens are filled with a distant mystery. We now know that UFOs, though not identified, are very real. Myself and some friends were fishing along a tributary of the Ohio River. We came upon three chickens that had been beheaded and disemboweled but were otherwise completely intact. The bodies had been laid a few feet up from the bank and were all three side by side. It was clearly done by some pretty clean knife work, was definitely not an animal predator. There was no sign of the missing heads or offal and the bodies were fairly fresh as rigor mortis hadn't set in yet. No signs of any other people in the area. It was very eerie and we decided to nope the F out of there. 